0: I think something we all like is kind of creating that feeling of, of tension. And so, like, maybe as you as you were saying, like, I'm p- kind of playing this happier melody, but Amanda's playing the saddest and possible.
1: This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven your host for a journey into the music of champagne urbana recorded in the blue box studio with a songwriter from the champagne urbana music scene past or present champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the champagne showers podcast network Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today I have Matt and Claire, and you may know Claire from such bands as the Emily Ann Band, the Torino Family Band, and in the past has played with Wagon Fire, the Yellow Jacket String Band, and Banjar. You may know Matt from such bands as Mean Lids, the Torino Family Band, the Occasional Cajun Band. You four and Jem. So, Matt and Claire, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Yeah, Thanks we're for happy to us. be here. Today, we're going to be listening to their song, There and Back, again, off of the album Keep It Up. So, without further ado, let's listen to the song. Welcome back. So, of course, my first and favorite question is always to ask what came first, the lyrics or the music, but this is an instrumental piece, so I have to ask what part came first? Was it the guitar or was it the fiddles? Um, mm-hmm. how, does, how does that work?
0: On um, this one, Matt definitely came up with the chords first, and he definitely noodles around the house more than i do on guitar and comes up with little riffs that he'll play and and sometimes they're homeless for a while he came up with that and then eventually i came up with the tune to go with it and we were talking on the way here we couldn't remember if we came up with the jig or the or the real first
2: or the six eight parts first yeah because it
0: changes time mm-hmm. yeah uh, part way through oh. did we decide
2: if i was coming up with the guitar part first my guess is that it was in four four originally because i tend to be more comfortable there. I started playing fiddle first and so for a long time I'd come up with tunes based on the fiddle and then I got bored of my own tunes so I think I started kind of coming up with more guitar parts first and and then I got tired of my fiddle parts that came up with those so I've been really pleased that Claire is able to come up with beautiful tunes to go with chord progressions that I come up with so that's been a fun process.
1: Do you remember the moment when you were beginning to work on this uh, on the guitar. I'm always curious about that. What is that moment of creation like? Is it two chords that happen in succession and you're like, I need to keep... Following that, or is it just you hear one chord and you're like, this is the beginning of something. So I'm curious yeah. about this song in particular, like how that happened.
2: I mean, it's based on this chord form that uh gives that very open sound that I have used in a number of different settings and different keys. So this one's in C sharp minor, which is like a key that is not played for fiddle music very often. But I pl- listened to a lot of music play it in like dad GAD tunings where you have
1: this very open gorgeous luscious sound to it okay so real quick a standard guitar tuning is e a d g b and e so with a dad gad tuning it's d a d g a d where the low E and the high E are tuned down to a D and the B string is tuned down to an A. So there you have it. And so I think when I found
2: this chord form, I moved this chord form into this key that I've usually played in like A or A minor. It suddenly had this like very rich warm all the high notes are very droney kind of sounding so i think i kind of figured out the basic chords that went with that particular key and just loved the sound of them so i just kind of moved around the fretboard finding all the chords that sounded nice and then kind of mooshed them into the order that felt most beautiful to me
1: i was thinking about i kind of played around with it and i recognized that it was that i want to call it the e major shape right Mm -hmm. on the guitar that you just kind of slide up and then that leaves the 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 high b and the e to like ring out right um which in terms of texture creates this very neat uh i want to say it creates the illusion of multiple guitars playing right so you have like these ringing notes and then you also have um like this chord structure that's moving up and down the neck and and in my brain i was thinking e major but of course the um
2: I mean, it music could be argued <laughs> either way, and I'm really bad at music theory. Oh, okay. So if, you're, okay. Uh, if you're more knowledgeable, I would I would defer
1: for sure. <laughs> well, it, it, well C, C sharp major, uh, C sharp minor, minor is the relative minor, minor of right. E major. So, I mean, it it just depends on how I'm. I'm sure I'm sure some music theorists are punching the air right now, yeah. but because um, the, the way that I was thinking of it is like the way that it it lands. But now I I understand why in that sense that you ended on that c sharp minor Minor, yeah um because i you know my brain was all like wait so okay we ended on the c yeah and
2: i'm very attracted to chord progressions that interplay minors and majors a lot the things i'm attracted to tend to be ill-defined as far as what side of side of it you're on those are my favorite types of chord progressions yeah (laughs)
1: the ambivalent key yeah yeah somewhere there claire how did you incorporate the melody that you ended up creating to intertwine with this guitar part.
0: Usually I'll play along with Matt for a while and I'll come up with a riff or something and we'll kind of cycle that for a while. Sometimes we'll like stay. So most of our tunes are, are for dances. So they have like a form that has to go with the dance. So we have like two A parts and two B parts which is very handy cuz like once you come up with one part you have another quarter of the tune written
1: <laughs> right i'm sorry to interrupt but it's it's like it was only because a light bulb went off in my head about the actual genre that you're you're playing in is constructed around the idea of dance rather than yeah. now i always think of like I'm like okay, so this is this has a certain sonata form to it, and I'm like, well, there's the intro, there's the exposition, then there's the recapitulation. <laughs> so you know, there's me in this this like classical music uh, yeah. uh, mentality, and I feel like I do that a lot with instrumental pieces because for me it gives it structure. But to understand the mode of the genre constructed for dance, it makes more sense. And then I, I, I heard those because I had divided it up into these four sections as well. Sorry to take a little side tangent because now I'm I'm kind of fascinated about this. So you mentioned that there are the A, B, A, B, and it's not considered like a rondo form. What is that tradition that you're referring to?
0: So most of the tunes we play are kind of oriented around contra dancing, which I grew up doing. I actually went as a baby. That's how my parents met. That's how I met Matt also. <laughs> nice. <laughs> was contra dancing. So a caller will write a dance and it kind of has a set length and moves have set lengths so they kind of put them in an order fits these parts of A which has 64 beats divided by 4. So that's a time through and then it repeats.
2: So it's A A B B form. So you oh, re- repeat, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the A's together and the B's together. Yeah. And so each time through the dance is one time through the tune. And so basically you're repeating either one or multiple tunes for eight minutes seven minutes something like that so yeah you're basically playing the tune over and over again each time through the tune the dance will match the tune and so one thing that we do when we're trying to find a tune to play the caller will tell us what the dance is and we'll try to match the percussive aspects or the feel of the tune to match the dance and ideally you kind of can create the best dancing experience that way if if the music and the dance really mesh well together also to the point of our kind of arrangement style like one thing that we kind of think about is because we're playing maybe one tune or maybe two tunes for kind of a long time is to try to create an overall arc of energy essentially over the tune and so that's kind of where creating a more exciting apex moment and then in this tune we kind of come back and mellow it out at the end so we kind of create a increase in energy and then mellow it out at the end to make an arc uh, almost kind of like a story arc of sure. feeling mm-hmm. for, for the tunes and that's something that we we try to do a lot for the for the dancing yeah in different ways yeah
0: and in this tune i mean sometimes we'll like play just one tune for an entire set Just our other bandmate is amanda Ramy don't want to forget her but we all like kind of hanging out and just jamming on a tune and i feel like there's a lot of interplay of fiddle and matt likes to substitute chords so we have a lot of room to kind of develop and but this set that we're talking about today we actually switch time so it's kind of like a second tune but but not quite but it really helps kind of like build the energy in the middle of the recording
1: it's about two minutes into the piece you switch to that you you is that the one you refer to as the jig in a certain so sense? So the jig is the early part the, in the, the end. Oh, okay. The first in okay. the end. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha.
2: 6-8, yeah. Oh, okay. And that's, that's, yeah. that's like tune, tune lingo in Irish Celtic circles. Like a jig is a 6-8 tune most of the time. Sometimes there's other kinds, but traditionally. And then a real tends to be a 4-4 four, four fiddle tune.
1: So initially, if you were to play this out live, this would have a more improvisational quality to it? Would you say, like it would, even the melody would, would vary.
0: So when we're playing for dances, you know, we have like 10 minutes. So playing like recording and then also playing live is pretty different because it's condensed. So I think we all kind of like settle on things that we like to do. There's a moment in the second part in the reel where like Matt starts substituting some minor chords and I kind of change the melody to go with that. I don't know. I guess I would say like the recording or the a live performance is kind of like a cond- condensation of like all of our favorite little pieces Hmm. that we like try to make sure we stick in but there are also like new things happening every time we play
2: yeah okay the best moment the best times for me are when like things that i'm not expecting happen and i think that happens more easily in a dance since it's a longer form but when we're playing a performance we'll probably shorten it down and so there's Hmm. some improvisational aspects then some aspects where we will Not in a set way, but like put different things we like to do into it at different moments. So it's a very loose arrangement, but there's kind of an overall shape that we're looking for.
1: I guess I want to ask, so Claire, do you predominantly take the melody in this piece or is it that there's a trade-off? I know that there's kind of some counter melodies that are happening there.
0: Often... Like Amanda or I, depending on who has like written the tune, usually play like, I don't know, the lead melody, if that's what you want to call it. So I think I, right. I kind of stay on that in this recording at least. Something that I really like doing and we're trying to do more of is trade back and forth melodies. I think it brings up new ideas and it's also good to get a, a break for your brain <laughs> sometimes right. and right. get to do the backseat. Matt, Matt's always on though.
1: When you write the piece, it is more of a collaboration do you just kind of repeat it over and over until something just kind of gels is that kind of the method i would say that's probably about right for the most part there's there'll be certain things we will like verbally
2: work out but to a large degree we play together through just the act of playing it enough times we all kind of like find our little niche for each tune a little bit and mine's kind of the most straightforward because i'm the rhythm chordal player i think i kind of just lay the foundation i think the real impressive thing actually is claire and amanda's ability to like find where to be in relation to each other they have some pretty beautiful moments of figuring out how to really like complement
1: each other well and i think that skill and listening capacity is really cool i i want to say that amanda somehow manages to find at least in the first section Find the saddest notes of whatever because <laughs> <you're playing>. <laughs> I would love
0: that you either. said that. <laughs> oh, okay,
1: okay. Because because I was gonna say like your your melody has has like. kind of this joy and like searching and like exploration kind of sound to it and then there's kind of that (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) but like this there's even the even the line tends to descend Mm -hmm. but it's playing the notes of of the chords even as your guitar is going up yeah which yeah but it it creates this really cool texture that's going on um but it's it's (laughs) i I almost feel like she she Mm -hmm. um okay Mm -hmm. i just Pronouns. I want to make sure I have that yeah. correct. That she kind of is keeping everybody grounded emotionally. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> for everything else that's going on. I mean, that's what it felt like when I, whenever I listened to it. And I, I actually enjoyed having listened to this a lot of times, being able to just listen. Like, okay, what is the guitar doing? And then I say, what is Amanda doing? Uh, Assumed at the time, I, I could only guess who was playing what Amanda was playing versus what Claire was playing. Who's following the guitar at one point and who's following the other fiddle. When it came down to actually recording this, was that kind of a struggle in a way? I mean, it feels like your way of presenting music is live and with Some restrictions, but not necessarily a lot of restrictions. Like, you have the format, but you can kind of bounce around within that. How did it feel to actually nail these parts down? Because now you have a... How shall I say? Like, a solid recording that is locked in. Yeah.
0: And it's interesting just to talk about traditional music and people... You know, like, people go to source recordings and they're like, this is the way the tune is played. It's probably not always how it was played. I think we talked about kind of like the arc like Matt was talking about and we came up with to stay within a certain time limit the number of times we wanted to do each section. I don't know if we really like hashed out. We wanted to include this like chord substitution or that kind of stuff or if it just was like we all know that's what we're doing to create the feel
2: for me i think there's a couple of sections that i knew i wanted to do like the beginning i kind of spread the chords out quite a bit more like i essentially do each chord twice as long as i do in the middle as a way to kind of just create a very spacious opening section and there's like that section of the, in the reel the four four part where i kind of fill out the chord to get a more abrasive and less open sounding chord and so those were like a couple moments that I knew I was gonna do ahead of time and then like the transitions we really worked out but like a lot of the in-between stuff is just kind of based on I feel like what we've developed over time once we knew like how many times you're we doing each section essentially I feel like you all kind of just like try to fit the things that you like to do. And we want it to feel live and a little bit loose if we sacrifice some perfection. I think that we're a little bit willing to do that for the right energy.
0: Beforehand, we did think a lot about like, what are we including? Are we including a good mix of feels on the album and played through each set many times before going into recording. So I think we had a pretty good idea of what we wanted it to sound like, but there are definitely things that were new when we, recorded that wouldn't have happened otherwise so it is kind of like capturing the energy of the moment
1: apparently i'm just interviewing many many people that matt wenzel at Changrena studio (laughs) has has recorded and and honestly i was unaware how many people he is recording and creating music here in the champaign urbana music scene i was just going to mention my favorite part of the piece I actually think that the section, and I'm going to go by time, because for me to try to describe it would just end up, well, I will describe it because of why I liked it. But at 3.15, there's this really nice rhythmic marcato part where even though everyone's filling in with these marcato parts, it, it has enough shortness to the notes that it creates this cool space where all the different things are kind of i want to say twinkling so amanda i think is doing these nice double stops at the same time and you're you're doing your melody but it's also has has that marcato quality to it too so it's just makes it really interesting i don't know i the the rhythmic quality of it is really nice and exciting that's that's just my favorite part so i have to ask claire what's your favorite part
0: I think if I'm hearing you right, that's also my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. And that's also the section where, yeah, so I think in the A part, I kind of am doing a more like rhythmically driven melody and it's less notey. But then Matt is also playing, uh, he puts in some minor chord substitutions into the B part that I really like a lot. And I think, yeah, that's kind of like a, a very contrasting moment in, in the piece compared to the the rest of it.
2: And man i think my favorite part might just be the very beginning in a lot of ways because one of the things that really started me off with this tune is just like the sound of the guitar and then just being able to hear those kind of open rich chords just kind of ring and also kind of spreading out the chords to kind of slow them down and then having the melody just be really featured at that point so much more because there's since the guitar has less movement i feel like the melody kind of comes out more beautifully i think with that first section where you really get just like the kind of airy feel and of the tune before it kind of gets busier is kind of my favorite part, I think.
1: I don't usually ask about titles. Is there a story behind that?
0: This, this one is definitely tied to the tune since we are going from kind of this jig feel to the reel and then back to the to the jig feel to kind of finish it off. So that's yeah. where that came from and yeah. also don't know maybe we watched lord of the rings yeah. recently <laughs>
2: nerdy nerdy lord of the rings <laughs> appreciation as well but yeah no i think just the time signature change it's very common in the dance circles to go from jigs to real because it adds that energy you get more beats per unit essentially than you do in six eight and so it kind of creates a denser exciting step up in energy, but uh it's not super common to go back to the jig afterwards because it's a little bit awkward to kinda like slow down again, kind of back to the end. And so that was kind of a fun and different (laughs) attempt, at least at at kind of creating a different feel from it.
0: That's another thing I liked about this was the transition. I thought it was just like so sharp and Matt really hits that guitar. I don't know, there's some kind of percussive thing you do that's really nice. Do you think of
1: these has happy or sad pieces. as I was saying, like there's the counter melody or the counter accompaniment that's going on with it, what Amanda's doing there's there's this kind of back and forth and is is that like a consideration that you are trying to impart? I know that there's a certain sense of emotion and do you get to think of these in happy or sad songs or like, kind of both I'm, I'm curious specifically about this song what's your overall emotional take of this song
0: i think something we all like is kind of creating that feeling of of tension and so like maybe as you as you were saying like i'm p- kind of playing this happier melody but amanda's playing the saddest notes possible that is definitely her favorite thing she's often saying oh i, I like this tune but it's just too happy we can't play, <laughs> we can't play it she loves the high drama tunes i think we we do think about things as being kind of like happy or like having different emotions at least we have on our tune list we have sections of like major happy tunes and uh, i don't know Yeah, which
2: is not most of our material (laughs) (laughs) i feel like a lot of people feel like minor equals sad and like i don't think i have that association as much but like i think i'm often interested in those kind of chordal choices that kind of do pull emotion in some way a little bit and or it's like a, like maybe like a little bit of a longing or like uh it pulls you in some direction and i'm not sure for a lot of tunes i'm not really a happiness or sadness are not the dichotomy i guess i think of it in somehow
0: but you're creating like emotional tension yeah
1: no and i do i do like emotional tension yeah, yeah. but <laughs> one of the last questions i'd like to ask is why did you pick this song as a song you wanted to talk about today we were talking about which tune
2: we would do and this is one we wrote together and so I felt uh, i think both of us were like excited to come uh with somebody else and so this is <laughs> a nice way for us to do this together and it is one of my favorite tunes that we play
0: really yeah, yeah. Ah, cool <laughs> i mean i like it also i didn't yeah. know that though yeah i don't know it felt good since we both kind of composed it together it seemed like a nice option to to be able to kind of talk about both of our approaches to coming up with it
1: Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe C-U-C-C Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Claire... What is your favorite Champaign-Urbana venue, past or present?
0: I was going to say the Rose Bowl, which is probably true. But I do want to mention the Iron Post because I went there a lot. Like when I got into college was when I first started playing fiddle music and going to jams. And I met Matt and started kind of going to see shows at the Iron Post. And yeah, I really, I really appreciate like Paula's complicated figure but I really appreciate what he did for the music scene and he had a couple shows most days of the week he really wanted to support artists monetarily and I was actually surprised talking to my friend well Morgan Reisman like how hard it is as an artist to make money and like you know if the venue is going to take a hundred dollars off the top of the door you probably aren't going home with much more than gas money so so I really appreciate that Paul would really you know he'd give the whole door to the artists yeah I appreciate That about the Rose Bowl and Charlie and Martin really make a point of passing the tip bucket around and and making sure people get paid because it is a lot of work.
1: I have to second the Iron Post. I wasn't necessarily aware of the monetary side of things, but I always felt like I think I've seen just about every genre of music there, Mm -hmm. which is impressive. Uh, The Rose Bowl is picking that up as well. And it did this weird thing, too, where it bridged the gap between the campus scene and the... Towny scene if you want to call it that you know they would have the jazz band from university of illinois come and play and it was a place that was designed to be inviting
0: and i definitely saw things that i wouldn't have seen otherwise just because there would be something else after whatever i went to go see and i'd hang around and you know see see something new to me so cool. yeah it was a awesome. great spot
1: and matt what is your favorite champagne or band of venue past or present <laughs>
2: I mean, the Rose Bowl is pretty amazing. I was talking to somebody about just how having a place with a dedicated sound person for every show is amazing, and they really do treat their folk, like, treat, treat the musicians well and and having so much support there and just the variety of stuff that they're doing is pretty incredible but I guess I was also gonna throw a shout out to the Calix Center out in Monticello which is a little minute outside of Champaign-Urbana but Hogshoot Opry is there we have Contra Dances out there as well and pretty much every event I've been out there always just has its special and kind of magical feel to it as well it's just a lovely space and really feel like people just kind of are usually just like in a good mood when they're there. And this kind of partially because it is a rare venue. So it's like kind of a special occasion when you get to go go there.
1: I'm going to take a little sidestep here. And if people are interested in getting into Contra dancing, where are some places that they can find, you know, a venue to do that? So we are both (laughs) organizers in our local Contra dance group as well. So we're deep in
2: that world we have dances at channing murray foundation like about once a month we used to dance at phillips center uh, recreation center in downtown urbana pretty regularly and we're starting to ease back into dancing there as well urbana country dancers is the organization we have a facebook group we have a website feel free to look that up and we're there most dances either playing or setting up
1: sound <laughs> so is it urbanacountrydancers.com? Uh, I think it's .org. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a non-for-profit, so. Great, Yeah, great. So, Matt, what do you think makes a good music scene or music community?
2: I really appreciate that you have this as part of your podcast because I, like, love nerding out about this in my own mind and also with my friends as well. So, for me, I think the a good music scene really has people playing multiple roles as far as like being musicians being organizers being involved in promoting other people and like really supporting each other as much as possible and one thing i love about our scene here is that people just like really do come out to see each other play quite a bit i also feel like people like will cross genres to check out other types of bands but i think it's that kind of collaborative spirit the low competition vibes i guess where People aren't competitive in this kind of like want to beat each other kind of way, but more interested in really collaborating and lifting each other up. And I think also oftentimes, if you can like have a couple of point bands or people that can inspire and pull other people up with them in certain ways, I think you know you'll come across certain musicians or certain bands in a scene that everybody is like, I want to do what they do or some element of what they do, and so having certain groups that can kind of inspire people to want to expand their skill level or their creativity
1: or different things like that claire what do you think makes a good music scene
0: i do agree about just people coming out to support each other and i think our friends who maybe wouldn't come out to our type of music you know come to support us and And then we'll hang out and see the next band at the Rose Bowl, which is usually a totally different genre. So it does feel really collaborative. I've met a lot of really great people playing music and then like been invited to like sit in with them or or play with them. So I've been playing with the Emily Ann Band more recently, kind of being part of the music scene. And and I think it's cool to have that kind of cross pollination and everyone can bring their little unique musical ability, their flavor (laughs) into different bands.
1: I'm going to open up this question to both of you. What do you think Champagne Urbana could do better in the music scene? I think sometimes I can't
2: tell. Like, certainly, our music scene where we are is pretty white. And so I sometimes wonder racially, socioeconomic status, inclusivity if there could be more work done to have more diverse voices that get to play some of the main venues and if the main venues we have are comfortable spaces for other groups in our community other than white middle class folks to come because that's what you see at the Rose Bowl I guess to a large degree and so I don't know if it's an interest level. Uh, type of band that's there or if it's something else but i've been to other places certainly where it feels more naturally fluid as far as and Champaign band is a pretty segregated place generally but i've been to other scenes where it feels more fluid as far as how a scene operates in that way you know there are a few events specific events that kind of like end up bringing in a more diverse audience but it's not a regular
1: thing i guess you mentioned the rose bowl and I don't know if just Rose Bowl has to work out its history, you know, like it's, you know, home of, I mean, you know, for the longest time is the home of country music. So it automatically has this stamp of white bread. It already has a historical barrier to itself. And Mm -hmm. I, I feel like maybe just as time goes on. Yeah. I'm hoping that they can kind of shed some of that backlog of mm, impression yeah. Um, because I'm not saying it's hard for me <laughs> being a white male saying like, Oh, I, you know, this is the impression that I get because, you know, I will only see it from that impression, not how it puts up barriers or doesn't put up barriers, having things that are more diverse in terms of the genres playing there, okay. which I feel like they're doing, they can only continue to expand on that. And then hopefully that, generates a more comfortable space. space.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And also it's like you don't want to like force a scene in in a direction. It's like it's something that is not as fluid and easy as you would hope. There's not an easy way for you to force that and for it to get better. It's kind of something that has to happen naturally, I guess.
1: And we're not saying by any means that the current Rose Bowl isn't... Inviting or inclusive, yeah. yeah. So I think the champagne
2: and music scene has been quite segregated historically as well, too. So it's not just the Rose Bowl, certainly. I I feel like, you know, at the Iron Post or, Mm -hmm. like, you know, if you went to Mike and Molly's shows back in the day or at least the bar based live music scene tends to end up catering more to the white middle class part of town or campus maybe to a certain extent certainly spaces like the imc have had some events that feels more organically moving into a more inclusive kind of music space there and you know there's certainly certain events that feel very easy and inclusive that way and where people feel invited and included and and also maybe ownership is also another important aspect too.
1: Mm. When, when you say ownership, what, what do you mean? Oh,
2: just like where non-white people feel ownership over a space to create musical spaces.
1: Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile and Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004, carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old-school gaming devotee. Welcome back. So, Claire, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things?
0: I'm going to say generally just doing activities outside. I do work outside for my job, but it's kind of not the same. I still get stressed out about it, but it's really nice to come home. The last couple of weeks, Matt has made us go out kayaking after work. And even though I'm tired and kind of frazzled, I always feel so relaxed. Just like... Getting into nature and, and not having to think about work work stuff. So that's that's definitely my happy place.
1: So even more specifically, what is your happiest place to go?
0: Anywhere on the water, which is harder to find around here. But our friend group's been exploring different river sections where we can boat. That's been fun. We, we love going out to the Calix Center for events. We were just camping there last night. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot to be able to enjoy and, and hang out with Bill. Bill, yeah. who helps run the Calix Center.
1: And Matt, what's your favorite non-musical thing? I guess
2: I'll say two things. One is like a tucked away swimming hole somewhere. I love uh, just like a spot where you can discover just like a spot in a river or a creek that you can jump in that feels like a secret discovery somewhere. You know, that's that's like kind of one of my favorite things. And then vinegary foods.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) I love
2: like uh, tomato salads or... Green salads with a vinegary dressing or kind of sauce on
1: it of some kind.
2: Some nice, bright, acidic food. Yes, give me some acidic food.
1: Tomato salads specifically? Yeah,
2: Yeah, like tomatoes and like a gazpacho or like Mm. a tomato salad. We, We often will like make a oil and vinegar on tomatoes and cheese kind of on a toast kind of thing or i eat a lot of greens uh, salads as well so just like a vinaigrette on a side but like i find that you know a vinegary food like improves every other food also in my opinion (laughs) except for sweet things i guess but like i'm not into like a vinegar pie i guess but like uh which does exist there is a balsamic vinegar pie in the world friend told me about but but yeah like you know you put like a vinegary slaw on a taco that's so good or like uh you know sure pasta salads potato salads you name it like it's gonna be delicious with a vinegary topping as far as i'm concerned
3: i'm all
1: down for that because you know (laughs) honestly i think my i lean more towards like that rice vinegar flavor where it's got like the the seasoned rice vinegar Mm -hmm. like whatever it's on i just you know a nice some nice oil you could even just sesame seed oil and then that and put that on a salad and i'm just like uh, yeah i'm there with you with the 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 acidic side you know even like a lemon based Mm -hmm. acidity is I my mouth is literally watering when I'm <laughs> do what I can. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then the question is: I know that this probably isn't the healthy choice, but like, so salt and vinegar chips? No, fan. weirdly. What? I know okay. that's my one. That's my downfall
2: as far as like being a true vinegar lover. I guess. Huh? Yeah, I, d- I can't explain myself. I'm sorry.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> it, it, does, it also can have like that the malt vinegar. Yeah, kind of maybe can, that's uh, some what people it is. don't don't respond well to that yeah. kind of parmesan kind of
2: malted yeah I don't know yeah. what it is I can't even really explain it yeah I yeah I it's weird that I I do not like salt and vinegar chips but it's it's I almost anything else I guess I don't know it's yeah I can't explain it <laughs>
1: now i have to look up that i'm gonna to add to the show notes if i can remember to add the uh the balsamic pie yeah <laughs> just because just
0: have the recipe section yeah. of that
1: <laughs> well you know sometimes the the odds and ends uh link in there is always kind of fun <laughs> um yeah actually so what i can do is also include a link to the uh contra uh the mm, urbana, urbana country. Country, country dancers country dancers thank yeah, you sure all right and uh yeah that's easy enough to do Claire and Matt thank you for being on the show and talking about your piece there and back again the Champagne Urbana music scene and you know just your favorite non-musical things acidic or nature (laughs) Um, it's been a real pleasure to be able to chat with you
0: yeah thanks for having us yeah Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Claire.
2: And Matt, reminding you great, great music, music is out, out there. So go, go find it where
0: you live. live.
1: Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Studio.
1: South Peter. on
3: the inside. But,
2: like, I'm not into, like, a vinegar pie.